where we discuss the lore and the fiction and the themes and the characters and the story of the Legend of Zelda series of video games. My name is Crystal, and with me is Monica. Hello. And Cameron. Hi. Now, this is, I believe, part seven of our series on Twilight Princess. I am just about sick of this shit, Crystal. (laughs) Now... It's uh, Twilight Princess is a really interesting game in the series' history because it's the first game that just doesn't have an ending, and it just keeps going forever and ever and ever. And, and ever, yes. But Now, if, if you want, what we could do is what we did with Wind Waker and lock ourselves in this virtual room for five hours until oh we are gosh. finished with Twilight Princess. I was actually just going to suggest that we try to finish it in two episodes. And, oh. Including this one? Yes, including this one. Oh, okay. Like, we genuinely just shoot for it. That would be, what, two dungeons per episode? Okay, so where 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 do you want to hit by the end of this episode seven? I would like to be finished with the Temple of Time. Okay, okay. Didn't we finish that already? No, 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 no. You have to go to the Temple of Time as an actual dungeon. Oh, that's just where my notes end. Yeah, that's after, well, what perfect symmetry we've got going here yes i think that if we try really hard we can get through the yeti's months and through the temple of time okay that's what we're gonna do because goddamn, this is too many episodes of twilight princess okay we will end this with nearly eight episodes of twilight princess god willing so last we left off link had just snowboarded down the mountain uh, because Yeddo had invited him for a fresh bowl of hot soup. Fish soup. Fish soup. Stinky fish soup. Stinky fish soup. Because he was making some soup for his poor sick wife. Yeah, Yetta's not feeling quite up to snuff at the moment. But also within Yetto's very big house is a shiny piece of glass, which is perhaps a shard of the Mirror of Twilight. And Yetta just likes to look at it all the time. And after she started looking at it, she started to start feeling sick. Also the monsters, I think. I don't know if they ever acknowledged the presence of the monsters in the house. Yeah, they just got an infestation. It's hard to get, you know, fumigation out there. The Yetis just don't actually care that much about them, it seems. Maybe. Would you two eat this fish soup? Hell yeah. No, I wouldn't. (laughs) Why not? It's stinky. Let's go over the ingredients. Okay, give me those ingredients. This is the, uh, after the enhancements, there's there's fish, stinky fish, which I think is also hard fish. Um, there is Orden cheese, specifically goat cheese, I suppose. Yes. And Orden pumpkin. That's it. That's a good soup base, I think. You could get some good food out of that. I don't know how the cheese would go with the fish, and I really don't know about the pumpkin. Shut up. You don't know. We'd find out. So here's my question. Mm -hmm. Why does looking at the mirror make you sick and summon monsters? Because it's very evil. I mean, is it? Apparently so. Minna calls it such. Does she call it evil? Yes. What does she say? 
Um, let me flip to my notes. Boop, 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 boop. It's either after Blazetta or after beating the thing at the Temple of Time. She remarks that the pieces of the mirror bringing a lot of terrible sorrow, etc. And that afterwards, it, the pieces are so evil that we may have to destroy it after. Wink, wink. That's very interesting because Minda's story seems to imply that uh, the mirror is a creation of the golden goddesses. Yeah. What basis does she have for calling it evil? Everything that that happens when a piece, around a piece, when it lands in a place. Okay, now when, when you beat Blazetta, Midna seems surprised by the fact that it can change Yetta as much as it did. Mm-hmm. At least uh, according to the game script that I'm looking at here. That being by mgoblue201, uh, hosted on ZeldaLegends.net. Um, so I don't know. The, the idea that it's evil seems to be more based on the fact of what it does rather than something inherent to it. But the mirror itself isn't the only source of dark power that can be attributed to what's going on here because these pieces were broken by the power of Ganon. That's in itself a very powerful curse. Yeah, Ganon does have a way with things. He does tend to infect everything he touches. Here, I found the line. It's after beating Armogoma. Uh-huh. The evil within these shards were ter- more terrible than I imagined. Okay, so Zant got the Ganon cooties on it. I can't Maybe. Know. Search for imagined. You wrote down words that are not in the script <sighs> at all. Okay. Ultimately have to destroy. What the evil with the shards is more? Why didn't imagine come up? Okay, let's see. But this seems to be something that she's basing on the fact of what they're seeing as a result of having the mirror. Right. She might not be the actual authority on these things. Right. It's not like she's ever seen it before. The evil within the shards is more powerful than you can imagine. You know, we could be assembling something truly terrible here. It could be something that we'll ultimately have to destroy. Wink. Sorry, had to do that. Okay, well, we've skipped to the end of the second dungeon, so I guess that uh, episode can stop here. <laughs> no, that's I after the end of this dungeon when you fight the evil Yetta. Just, um, the thing about the mirror is it's exactly the same as the warnings about the helmet. Yes. It's dark, evil magic. It could corrupt you. Nothing happens to Link. He's fine. And nothing happens to Midna either. Yeah. Though they do have the protection of the gods. Mm-hmm. And Midna is also a twilight spirit, so it's not quite the same thing. Hey, can I ask a question about the Yeti's manse? Okay. Who lived here before the Yetis? Some rich guy. Now, here's the thing about assuming that it's just some rich guy. Everything in here is scaled to Yeto and his wife. Big Goron. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm going to accept that. Um... This is the original home of the Uku. What? No. I don't okay. Know. <laughs> all right. Well, I just thought it was an interesting question. You know, like your big shits all over it. All you I, want. I was just thinking it was like a home of a knight of a some big sort. knight. A big knight. The armor is who's very fifteen big. feet tall. There's armor around, and it's it's not really yeti shaped though. I guess yeti have very different bodies, so that, that's really hard to say. The one that gives you the ball and chain is clearly some kind of Lizalfos or something. Who's to say that this is not, you know, Yetta and Yeto's family mansion? 
that's actually kind of what I was leaning toward, that it's actually a Yeti's manse built oh. by and for Yetis. Why is it so heavily in disrepair? Well, I mean, they hired somebody to build it for them in the first place, but I don't think that they ever thought to get it repaired because it still works fine. You can go inside of it. It has a kitchen. It's all fine. It's cold. There's rooms opening up to the outside. They're yetis. Fair. I think that this is usually in the running for people's choice of favorite dungeon in Twilight Princess. It's such a good dungeon, and it's a well-framed dungeon because it's just someone's house. It's just someone's house, and the entire element of you moving through it is that Yetta tells you where she thinks the shard of the mirror of twilight is and you go there and you open the big chest and all you get is a piece of food and you take it back to her and she's like uh hmm, that definitely wasn't it okay well maybe try over here but first take that food to my husband would you and you do and the husband's like oh this will go good in the soup and he throws it in he doesn't just throw it in he like shakes you down no he shoves you really hard (laughs) and then takes it from you yeah you don't have the opportunity to give it to him but you know it's it's his food it's fine Hey, if I make a pumpkin cheese fish soup, would you eat it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Ugh. you could find recipes for that. People tried to emulate what this soup would probably taste like. You could find blogs for making fantasy meals, and this soup is definitely on there. Okay. I've def- I, I, I've read that. That's a thing. I don't know if I would ever actually cook it, because it sounds halfway difficult, but it's definitely a thing. What's the closest thing that they've got? Like, monkfish? Mmm, monkfish. Anyway, so that's the entire premise behind the dungeon in that it's infested with monsters that the Yetis either don't care about or they don't seem to know that they're there. And you keep getting sent all over Hill and Dale by Yetta, who can't remember anything because her sickness is clouding her memory. And after you get the last of the soup ingredients, you take it back to Yetto and he's like, okay, this is now a perfect soup. We will give this to Yetta. And somewhere in here, you end up fighting this big Dinolfos-looking motherfucker with a ball and chain and get my favorite item from Twilight Princess, which is the ball and chain. And its whole purpose is to smash things, and it's very good for a hammer replacement. Dark Hammer, that's his name. He's called Dark Hammer? Yes, it's not a very compelling name. No. He doesn't even have a hammer. (laughs) He doesn't have a hammer. No, he's not. Mmm. What? Mmm. That's the darkest hammer of all. (laughs) Um, interestingly enough, you can beat him with a mortal draw. Really? Yes. That's pretty sick. I don't know how they figure that out because the ball and chain. Super sick. I love it. Beating things with the mortal draw is the coolest way to beat anything in Twilight Princess. It's a shame you can't really do it to Ganon. And as much as I pushed us towards getting through these next couple of dungeons a bit faster. But truth be told, there isn't actually that much to talk about in the Yeti's manse in terms of taking it apart. Because it's like, oh, we're going to go through the larder now. Oh, we're going to go through the living room. It's, It's just somebody's house. A really big person. And once you lay out the specifics of it, there isn't actually that much lore built into it. Because the game isn't very interested in telling you much about the house. It's just here. It's just a really good, solid-ass dungeon that gives you an in-character reason to have to revisit places in it over and over. Also, there's a cannon in the kitchen. Not the kitchen, the there's pantry? Can- there's cannons in several... Yeah, there is one in the pantry. Yeah. Which is basically like a big freezer at this point. Crystal, have you got anything in particular about this dungeon in general? Uh, there's an area that looks kind of like a church. Oh, is that the one with all the icicle soldiers? Yeah. What's that all about? 
Um, probably a place of worship. Has it got like pews and stuff? Yeah, it's got lots of pews that could fit, you know, a few dozen people. Oh, interesting. Maybe it used to be a lord's mansion, a lord yeti. And all the yetis would go there and sit down in mimicry of some human service that they don't quite understand. It doesn't have to be mimicry. They could legitimately believe in something. Who do you think or maybe it's worship? just a good, like, gallery and um, people get married there or something. Huh. Yetis are big on weddings. Very traditional Christian weddings. Okay. <laughs> or what were you saying, Crystal? Is this the only uh, indication of Christianity in this timeline? Oh, fuck <laughs> me. Fuck me and fuck both of you. No! Things can look like chapels without being indicative of Christianity. Traditional Christian marriages, but without the Christianity. How dare you? Traditional Western marriages. Yetta insists on a big white dress. Uh. But they don't need a pastor. No. Why would you? So eventually you you do find the place where the actual mirror shard is. And Yetta leads you in there because she's feeling It's their bedroom. Little... Yeah. It's the bedroom because you get the bedroom key, which is not a boss key. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and the lock is like a big heart. Yeah. It's not a boss room. Don't worry about it. But when Yetta looks into the mirror, she says, pretty, 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 lovely. And then she transforms into a beast. Yeah, she loses her shit a little bit. Twilight Ice Mass. That is her subtitle. Yes, she becomes Blizzetta, who is just like a, a big ice monster. With Yetta at the center of it, but now her face is super scary because her head turned around 180 degrees and now her eyes are red and her mouth is enormous and full of fangs, whereas before it was very small and feminine coated and very cute oh it's sort of like the um the bilbo gets the ring or sees the ring part yeah kind of <laughs> and to defeat this boss you have to swing around your ball and chain real good and then hit her real hard with it so that she goes flying against the wall yeah you basically just take this lady who invited this ill woman who invited you into her house and has helped you take one of her possessions and you beat the shit out of her with a big piece of metal She's trying to kill you. Uh, this fight is sort of similar to the the spider puppet Ganon in Wind Waker, I guess. How do you figure? You There's like oh, this... arms and then the rotations and then you look at the reflection on the ground. The reflection on the ground so that you can avoid it when it drops. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that part's a lot like that. But this one's really pretty. Twilight Ice Mass Blizzetta controls a lot of ice. And that's her whole deal. And you have to break the ice a bunch of times... And she gets slammed up against the wall, and the ice shatters, and you hit her so hard that I guess it knocks the mirror influence right out of her head. And then Yetta falls down. She's like, ow. And Yetto comes in, and he basically, like, does he, like, kick you out of the way? Uh-huh. Okay. So he basically just knocks the shit out of Link effortlessly and runs over to his wife. He doesn't know what happened, because if he did know what happened, I'm sure that he would beat Link to death. <laughs> well, am I wrong? Maybe. He definitely comes across like the kind of guy who would get very physically defensive of his wife being attacked. But you fix his wife. Yeah. And Yetta, recovering, has no idea what's happening. And Yetta says, very strange, you just dreaming. And it's a very sweet moment where Yetta and Yetta do their little nuzzle thing and all these hearts start floating up into the air. Now read the other line. Oh, no. Forget mirror. 
Oh, okay. Uh, you, you be Monica in this case will be Yetta, and I will be Yeto. What from the? Okay, Yeto, mirror you gave. Forget mirror Yetta. No, look into eyes of Yeto. Look in reflection of Yeto's beautiful eyes. There, true beauty. Who need mirror? <laughs> this it's shit, very sweet. This shit gets to Monica every single time she sees it. Gets it's good. <laughs> it's, it's very good. And, and they, they do. They produce a heart piece with their love. It's yep. just pure Yeti love as a heart piece, which is the one canonical case of a heart container where it's produced by something other than murder, I think. Like a whole heart container. Yeah. They also have little tiny regular hearts. Yeah, they do drop regular hearts all over the ground and you can pick them up. And love produces hearts and heart containers in this right. scenario. Yeah, yes. yes, he love. That's is where it, they come from. Is it only Yeti love that does this? Because we see people in love all the time. They don't shoot hearts everywhere. <laughs> well, their love is particularly bit particularly big. Oh, I see. Big love. Yes. And s- does human love produce hearts big enough for the minish to use? Maybe. Yeah, that's where they get them. But in other uh, in the two D Zeldas, I seem to recall there being some regular hearts being produced from love too. Huh. Yeah. Okay, I can buy that. Do you oh, think yeah, they the- have? Do you think the Minish like kidnap people and put them into VR farms and then farm the hearts they produce? Is this just the Matrix, but for like a, a dating Matrix? <laughs> yeah. Are Honey and Darling hooked into the Minish Matrix? Yeah. Oh. I don't think they have to be hooked up. This is a very strange, very strange version of Hyrule you're outlining here for us, Crystal. I'm just saying the Minish are evil. Well, I mean that's canonical at this point. I think. <laughs> really yeah totally i forget why i said that they're like 10 percent of the way to being the dark interlopers which basically (laughs) makes them the demon tribe so after you get this mirror of twilight shard and you get your heart piece it's time to go off into the forest where uh the mysterious masked man from the resistance is waiting who could this man be who indeed? Wait, we've gone through a conversation with Russell like twice by now, right? Yeah. Yeah. But who could he be? I don't know, Crystal. Who is it? You can't, you, you just can't see the features of his face behind that mask. Doesn't the mask cover like his eyes alone? Well, no, domino takes, masks are like very effective. Mask. Do- domino masks are very effective. They hid Robin's identity for like a century. Okay, so Russell's there in the forest. What does Russell tell us? He tells us about an ancient temple deep in the woods that guards a sacred power. It was supposedly built by the ancient ancestors of the Highlands. And okay. has lots of advanced technology inside it. He also mentions that he has known Talma and her circle of friends since his youth. I want to know more about Russell's youth, but we really don't get to. Russell was apparently some kind of adventurer. Is Russell the version of... We talked about this before, but Russell is basically what Adult Link would be if Adult Link were actually an adult instead of just a teenager. Is Russell Link's father? Russell's effectively Link's father. No, but is he actually Link's father? Do you mean, like, is Link born of a union between Russell and someone who gives birth to children? Yes. I don't know. I and don't. He, he, Link was raised separately because he is a, a bastard child. I see. This got dark suddenly. I wouldn't say dark exactly. Why not? Like Link just if if 
he's actually Russell's son. Like, he got older, and then he wanted to move into his own place. He's going to be the cool guy and live a little bit further away from everybody else. I feel like if he was actually Colin's older brother... Yeah, I don't actually think this. They would have definitely brought that up. Well, if he is uh, Russell's bastard child, then Uli treats him very well, all things considered. Yeah, no, he is not Colin's brother. <laughs> no, he's absolutely not. That but would have come But he is up. Russell's son, but Russell is not Colin's father. Who's Colin's father? <laughs> uh, another man. Just some other guy? Yeah. Who Who's Uli pregnant by right now? Russell. Oh, okay. So this will be Russell and Uli's first child. That's correct. I see. Wait, does Colin ever call Uli his mother? Probably. Does he, though? Because I'm not sure. I don't think so. Yeah, I feel like I my memory isn't perfect for this kind of thing, but I don't remember Colin ever referring to Uli as mom. Like, he talks about Link a lot, and he may have talked about Russell once or twice, but I don't think he ever mentions his mom. But does he call Russell his dad? I think he actually does at one point. Yeah. about He talks about what power and bravery are, whatever. Okay, then Link is Uli's son. Oh. This is getting complicated. I need a chart. No, no, no. This is simple. There's uh, three people. No, four people. There's four people involved in this. Um, Colin is Russell's bastard by some woman we never meet. And Link is Uli's bastard by some guy we never meet and this new child who is going to be born is the first child of russell and uli's union so why wasn't colin kicked out well this all of this happened before russell and uli got married (sighs) uli is actually much older than she seems because she comes across as if she's like 25 or 29 but that doesn't line up here if link is her son. Is that what we arrived at? Link is her son. Yes, yeah, Link is her son. Forest Grove. And he Moving lives... to the secret. <laughs> okay, so the Temple of Time. So all of this stuff at the beginning of the game is just Russell trying to get close to his stepson. Oh my gosh. No, he's not married to Uli. What? He's not married to Uli. I Okay, go on. The Highlands don't have marriage. But Yetis do. Yeah, have you ever heard... A Halian say wife or husband? Does Majora's mask count? No, that's Termina. <laughs> Shit. Um, you know what? We're going to keep going for right now. Why don't you tell us about the Sacred Grove? Well, it's deep in the forest, and you have to push some blocks with the Helian crest on there to get there. And you have to, you know, get some chickens and do some chicken gliding, which is always fun. A golden cuckoo. Yeah, a golden cuckoo. And there's some weird statues there that are kind of unlike uh, any Hillian architecture or art. How, how do you mean? They have like weird elongated faces and big wide jaws and markings on them that are unlike other Hillian markings. So what do you think they are? I don't know. They're not really like anything else. They're star men. They're star men. From mm-hmm. from the Mother series. Or, yes. do, or do you mean star men that give you the star power in the early Mario Brothers titles? No, I mean Mother. So they're robot aliens from outer space. Yes, like the Triforce goddesses. Who are also robot <laughs> aliens. No, but look, there's a, a visual similarity. Okay. 
Yeah, I don't know what these are either. Uh, do, do we feel like there's any hint that they could be related to the Uku in some way or what? No. Before we get too much deeper into this, um, we probably need to address the idea that the Uku are absolutely 100% and definitely the creators of the interior of the Temple of Time in Twilight Princess. Oh, yeah? Aren't they? I mean, they absolutely seem to be. Why do you say that? There's a few signs, well, just one major sign, namely that um, the Rod of Dominion is claimed to be an Uku object. Uka says that, right? Yeah. Yeah, Uka calls it uh, an artifact of her people. That's what she's here to find. So she's basically going through ruins that her people left behind thousands of years ago. I don't think it necessarily means that they made the Temple of Time as Russell claims. It could be that, you know, it was just made by Hylians and stored this really important object given by the Uku. But everything in there runs off the Dominion Rod. It's the key to the entire security system from front to back. Well, what the Dominion Rod actually is, was um, a present from... Is it the Uku? I'm getting all the names confused. Okay, the Uku are the bird people. The Uku. And what's the name of the one particular one? The Uka. Okay. It was a gift from the Uku to the royal family. And the royal family was directed to use it to communicate. Give us just a second. Monica, would you get that? Uh, we have blueberries. I sure do like blueberries. Blueberries are good. If they're ripe. Not very good blueberries. It's like blueberries might have the widest gulf between not very good versions versus the good versions. Because good ones are great and not very good ones are deeply unexciting. Now, you were saying about the Hylian royal family getting the Dominion Rod as a gift from the Uku. Yes, and they were directed to use them in a sacred communication ritual with the Uku. With the Uku. So, you know, it being an important object... It could have just been, you know, stored there. And control the entire security system in half the temple. Yeah. That, I don't know. That implies that at the very least it's like, oh, we didn't just give you the Dominion Rod. We also gave you the security system you'll be using to store it. Well, no. I mean, the Hylians could have figured out how to make things obey it. That makes a lot more assumptions than just saying that the Uku built the Temple of Time, though. Okay. It seems to me like the game very much means to imply that within the continuity of Twilight Princess specifically, that the Temple of Time, or at least its interior, was built by the Uku. Russell says it was built by ancestors to the Hylians. So are the Uku ancestors to the Hylians? That would definitely be in line with how Shad described them. Are they from Skyloft? No. <laughs> no? No. Why not? Because the people of Skyloft didn't have this kind of weird super science magic. Maybe some of them stayed up there and developed it. Do you think? Is that is that really what you think? Or is it just easier to say Twilight Princess's version of events was essentially retconned when Skyward Sword came out? There can be more than one city in the sky. <laughs> what? There absolutely can't, Monica. What are you talking about? <laughs> That is the most ridiculous thing anyone on this podcast has ever said. That's the sky's only just so big, Monica. Ah, uh, okay, my bad. Did you well, see any? Like, <laughs> they also gave the ancient skybook to the Sheikah. They did, although maybe the Sheikah were holding it for the royal family. I don't know. 
Now, what's they have the sky some book? intimate connection to the royal family. They're like, hey, we understand you want to go down there and do a kingdom. If you want to talk to us, here's a cell phone. Yeah, it's basically a cell phone. So are you imagining that, um, oh, hell, what was that guy's name? The Tinkerer in Skyward Sword. Was he Gonzo? Something like that. Do you imagine that the mechanic stayed up there and, like, kept working with the ancient technology of the robot people until he invented this cell phone? Yeah, why not? And then turned into a bird person. Well, okay, who made the Tower of the Gods? That's a really difficult question to answer, and Wind Waker specifically and purposefully leaves it ambiguous as to where it came from. Because the Temple of Time is built fairly similarly to the Temple of the Gods. It's definitely a tower. The Temple of Time? Yeah. Yeah. It's got, like, several floors. Oh, interesting. Hold yeah, on, they get, there's controlling statues, there's Bemos and Aramos, there's a Dark Nut mini-boss. Huh. You know, I hadn't even thought of that. They're this definitely supposed to be analogs. Effectively, you climb all the way up the Temple of Time, and then you get the Dominion Rod and the, um, the statue, and you climb all the way back down. Okay. Before we continue further into the temple, I'd like to point out a couple of things. First of all, that Skull Kid had control over a, an illusion door that led to the temple. He dissolves the fake wall or whatever. Oh, and the second was the... <laughs> what I brought up with you two last time. Which is? That when you enter the... When you enter the Temple of Time... Um, there's a window. There's a window. Yes, okay. So you go from the chamber in the Temple of Time that is roughly equivalent to where the Master's Sword would be. And there is a window. And what do you have to do? You put the Master Sword in. Okay, so you place the Master Sword in a pedestal inside of the Temple of Time, which is separate from the one in the Sacred Grove where you drew it, right? It's the same one, but this is now in the, the past. Oh, because the Temple of Time has been utterly destroyed by this point. Can we point out that, for, <laughs> jumping back a little bit, the, the door to this past area is only... Does only appears when Link puts the sword back in and then draws it out again. Right. Which, okay, doesn't make a lot of sense. No. No. Well, I mean, it does make sense when you take it on its face. But what you're getting at is how did the shard of the Mirror of Twilight get into the past? Right. Because the door was closed. Because the door was closed. What's your thoughts on that one, Crystal? That sure is a good question. <laughs> <laughs> Unless the door is perpetually closed... Um, or perpetually open, rather, the whole time <laughs> initially, and then Link drew the sword out, and then I lost my train of thought. And somehow Zant sent it in there. Or no, we discussed that it must have traveled there on its own. Yeah. Okay, it's a big plot hole. Okay. But anyway, back to the past, and then you are back at the uh, Master Sword's pedestal, and Link drives the Master Sword in, and a series of stairs appear leading you to the window, the back window, which actually is a fake window, which leads to the interior of the Temple of Time. The true Temple of Time. Yes. But this this back window actually is important and comes up in another game. It is prominently featured in the ending of Ocarina of Time, uh-huh. where I'm sure all of our listeners will know in that final semi-final scene when Link returns back to the past 
Navi says bye, Link, or whatever, and floats up, and there's a lovely tinkle, tinkle. <laughs> she doesn't even give a bye. She just goes. Yeah. She floats up and out that back window. It's the same window. It's the Navi window. And I guess she ended up intentionally or unintentionally going into deeper in the temple deeper into of time. the temple of time instead of back to the the lost woods that's fucked up i know and then link goes on this world spanning search for her when she was right there the whole time yeah well I, my theory is actually the the interior the depths of the temple of time is actually in the light um is the light temple oh. in the light world not light world the sacred realm. Inside the sacred realm. So you're thinking that the entirety of this dungeon that we're in takes place in the sacred realm. The back part of it, yes. Interesting. You're in the past sacred realm. What do you and make the, of that, Crystal? So this is the uh, the Ocarina Temple of Time, not the Skyward Sword Temple of Time. Absolutely. Well. They are definitely two different temples of time. <laughs> no, they are. Yeah. I mean, the, the Skyward Sword one could have been rebuilt, rebuilt. The Skyward Sword... There were actually two temples of time in Skyward Sword, as I remember, because it used to just be a thing. You build a place for Hylia, and you travel through time at the Temple of Time. Yeah, but I mean, I'm not saying that those that is a different temple necessarily. It could have, over the ages, been you know substantially changed. We can't really know. There's no window <laughs> reference points. I feel like we've forgotten a little bit about uh, the most important character in The Legend of Zelda, and that's Raru. Oh. Now, <laughs> Crystal, what did Raru do in this timeline? He did build the Temple of Time with his big, strong, manly hands. Right. Him and the other sages built the Temple of Time from Raru's own mouth. How does that relate to the version of the Temple of Time that we see in this game? He's a ku- he's an oku, uku. Raru in Ocarina of Time. <laughs> he's already a bird. He is. He ancient. is already a bird. He oh he is a bird. Okay, and he is ancient from before the people of Hylia were called that. Mm-hmm. Or maybe this was a joint venture. But do you prefer that he's actually an oku in disguise? I prefer to say this is all nonsense, <laughs> and that Twilight Princess is just sort of a thumb in the eye when it comes to figuring out how the cosmology is supposed to work. I gotta say, though, I'm not actually the first person to point out that Navi went into the depths of the uh, the Temple of Time. Oh, really? I reached this independently, but then I, I googled around, and there have been at least one or two other people who went, hey. Interesting. This is where she went. It must be pretty uncommon, though, because I've genuinely never heard that before you said it. It was very magical. Reaching that conclusion. Okay. So The reason I say the interior of the Temple of Time is the Light Temple, though, is um, everywhere inside of this dungeon is the Light Medallion, the symbol. Oh. It's plastered on the giant bell things, on the statues, on the floor, on the walls. It's so the Light Temple. Raru was here. Must have been. That is interesting. I, I feel like that's something that... I might have noticed in the past, but it, I utterly forgot. The other thing is, if you look outside, because there are large windows um, in this dungeon, Ooh. and as you climb higher and higher especially, the sky takes on this goldenish tinge. Ah. It's not like outright yellow golden, 
and some people may disagree with me, but really try to look at it at the, the topmost part and there's you're, some goldeny shine. You're looking out on the golden realm. Yes. Huh. Now we do actually see that motif echoed much more concretely later in Skyward Sword. The idea of seeing the heavens change to the color of gold. When the so, Triforce appears. They not only did the unfreezing Zora's domain, they did finally make the Temple of Light. Yes, they did. They did. That was on their to-do list to address all the fan concerns. And you didn't even have to throw a bomb at the bottom of Ganon's castle's wormhole. (laughs) Yeah, it's almost a shame that none of that stuff ever worked. But we got it here, so what does it matter? And what do you have to do to get the Dominion Rod again? You have to fight a Dark Knight. You fight a Dark Knight. So Dark Knights, in this case... Are there even any monsters in the Temple of Time, so to speak? Yes. Okay, what is there? There's two types of monsters in the Temple of Time. There are, as Crystal identified, the more robot-y monsters. There are these really pretty Beemos. Right. Which are, like, on these, like, lovely, like, uh, ionic pillars. Yeah. Um, There are... The Ar- the Armos who carry hammers. Yes. Um, there are the trap sharp thingies, and they're also very prettied up. Right. And then other, you know, rolling logs and stuff with spikes on them. However, there are also Lizophos, mm-hmm. a bunch of keys, a ton of baby spiders, and one big spider later. Right. And a dark nut. What I was leading into is what is the nature of a dark nut in Twilight Princess? The Dark Nuts is a guardian of the Dominion Rod, created by the Uka as an automaton. <laughs> There's a guy in there. Is there? Um, I mean... It definitely reacts as if it's a guy. You damage its armor enough and it whips the armor off and comes at you a lot faster. You can really it... see his face, but there's like a... There's a cowl or something on the face. Yeah, it looks like a Dark Souls 3 character once you knock it... off most of its heavy armor. It does absolutely look like a Dark Souls 3 character. And even before that, it looks like a more slimmed down version of Havel, kinda. Yeah. There are some Dark Nuts in Hyrule Castle, though. Yes, and Ganon definitely has specific dominion over those. And there are also Dark Nuts that are in the Cave of Ordeals, but I don't know if that's actually something that should be considered, because that great fairy has power over a lot of shit. So uh, do we figure that they're creatures of Ganon or that they're creatures of the light that just act as obstacles? This one at least seems like an obstacle to to test Link. He's standing on a giant light medallion flooring. Uh, and the room seems crafted for a fight. Uh, I don't know. So the ones that you run into in Hyrule Castle are more like ones that Ganon has corrupted to his services. Yeah, actually, that would make sense. Maybe there were dark nuts in service, like to protect Hyrule Castle, but then Ganon. Yeah, as he do. As he do. Okay, yeah, that's coming together a little bit. They fight like Ganon, don't they? They like actually Ganondorf. have largely the same move set in a lot of ways. Only they're actually harder than Ganon. Believe it or not, I think one of the things about them is that they do genuinely hit harder in some circumstances, and they are definitely much harder to breach the defenses of than Ganondorf is. And there's that fun moment where they throw their sword at you. Yes. This is uh, the beginning of a particular ethos of game design where there are plenty of enemies in a given Zelda game that are much tougher than the final boss is. Because 
they want you to be able to beat the final boss if you reach them. Would you say that um, this one-on-one fight is pretty intricate? Do you, do you find a connection between these Dark Knight fights and the Skyward Sword fights with, you know, monsters? What do you think of that question, Crystal? I don't see a connection. Yeah, I think that one of the things that we have to keep in mind here is that the way that you fight in Skyward Sword versus the way that you fight in Twilight Princess is very different. Twilight Princess is not quite an action game. It's based around very specific inputs and commands that you can do. Uh, Like you can shield bash someone, then jump over them and hit them in the back of the head. But it's very narrowly defined what you can do in any moment. Whereas Skyward Sword is similar in that there's a specific set of circumstance, a specific set of actions that you can take, which will take down an enemy fastest because enemies in Skyward Sword are basically big lumbering puzzles once you really break down their different parts. But it's like puzzle action versus not puzzle action. And Twilight Princess is definitely more about the twitch. And I don't actually think the action there works as well as it does in Skyward Sword, but I'm vastly in the minority on that one. Anyway, you kill the Dark Knight. You get the Dominion Rod. You take control of some statues. The statues hit things with hammers. I watched this person in his um, his Let's Play, and for the longest time, he, he did not figure out that, one, the stat- giant statue you walk around can hit things. Uh-huh. And then, two, that you could control the tiny little... Wee ones. I love those ones. Yeah. Uh, he, he had a heck of a time. They're so good, the little tiny ones. They follow you around, they go hop, 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 hop. Just like in The Wind Waker. Yeah, this is first done in Wind Waker. Yeah, like Crystal pointed out, this whole dungeon is, in a lot of ways, just the Tower of the Gods redux. The boss, though, I mean, if you, you're trying to decide whether this was a one of those trial dungeons where the hero is tested or... You know, a dungeon where the enemies are are actually truly bad and have to be cleared out. Like, unless you think that the Uku or the sages planted this baby spider here initially. You can't keep spiders out. There's spiders around you all the time. There's a spider within a certain number of feet of us right now. Please don't do that. Spiders everywhere. There's spiders in your hair. Whose hair? (laughs) Your hair. Oh, Crystal, the look she's giving me right now. I have made a fucking mistake. Okay, so we've basically gotten through all the dungeon. Crystal, tell me what the boss fight is like. Well, Cameron, in keeping with everything in this dungeon being derivative, it is a remix of the very first boss fight of Ocarina of Time. That is true. It's Goma. It is big old Goma. And I think this is not quite the same but a very similar model to the one that was used in the trailer where link is chased down a canyon by a giant spider that is correct it's armogoma now how do we fight armogoma well you gotta hit it real good with the statues and then its body collapses in on itself and its eyeball pops out And the eyeball skitters along with its own little legs and the other spiders. And then you got to hit the eyeball. The implication here being that the eyeball is the actual Goma. And that the boss that you were fighting was like a big spider mech. Right, it's kind of like a Rakshi or a Borok. (laughs) So a spider's mech is a spider shape. What's a Rakshi? Uh, A Rakshi is a spawn of Makuta. It is an armored suit's pow that is piloted by a slug. By a slug? By a slug. 
is is the suit also shaped like a slug? No, it's kind of shaped like a lizard. Oh, that's kind of interesting. But yes, um, it's definitely the case that Armogoma is a mech in the shape of a spider in much the same way that humans pilot Gundams. And it's perfectly shaped to fit the eye of the actual creature, which makes me wonder, wait, did the Uku build Armogoma's armor? What? No, seriously. As a test. Yeah. But then did they have the Mirror of Twilight back then? Well, okay, here's what happened. I got it all figured out now. The Mirror of Twilight shard did go back in time because it needed to. Okay. And it went back in time to when the Uku were building the Temple of Time. And they knew that the hero would need this shard in the future. So they they stored it in a safe place with a guardian that only a true hero could defeat. A big spider. Yes. In a mech for spiders. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, there's those four statues in the room that help you squish the mech, I guess. Yeah. They knew this was only going to work once, but you had to get the Dominion Rod to do it in the first place. Right. So the Uku must have also either made the Dark Nut or had it lent to them by the Hyrulean royal family. That's correct. Uku sure did do a lot. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, they needed to prepare the hero. Raru had his finger in all the pies. <laughs> That's true. Raru, the the Uka, was the main one who knew that the shard would be needed. Is it Uku or Uka? Uka. 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 <laughs> Uka is the species. Uku is an Uka. Shit. Oh, Cameron. What did I'm you so- do to I me? I did bad. I did the bad thing and told the wrong word, and that's all on me. I'm sorry, everybody. Cameron did not good. Okay, so we killed the big spider pe- big spider mech, and you can either take out the actual eye by fighting your way through the little baby spiders with, like, the spinner or whatever, or you can just shoot it with your bow a couple of times. That's a good idea. Like, it has this really complicated chasing pattern that you have to do if you try to hit it in melee, and if you shoot it with the bow, you can take it out in, like, four seconds. Is it just me, or is the layout of this room kind of like the um, the giant Poe one in Wind Waker? It is with kind the, of like that. With the big spike walls being replaced with hammers? Yeah, and then the, the dot, giant beams of light uh-huh. shining from the ceiling. Oh, yeah. Because in this one, it helps you indicate where Goma is. Goma is. And the other one is helpful to to unpoe the Poe or right. whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The structure of the room is very similar to that. Huh. Huh. Another thing taken from Wind Waker's design docket. That's interesting. I wouldn't have thought of that. So we get our mirror shard, and Midna's like, this shit's really bad. Um, if it is this bad the whole way through, there's a non-zero chance that we're going to have to destroy this thing completely after we complete our quest. So get ready for that. And then if I remember, you start a new quest where it's time to go talk to the fuck boy. Well, yes, but what happens is you get outside and then Uku is like, hey, hand that item over. And Link's like, okay, hands over the Dominion Rod. And she's like, oh yeah, that's what I'm looking, I'm looking for. I've been looking for the whole time. No wait. It's old and all the magic is is depleted. It's broken. Because bringing it forward in time caused it to age as if it had been sitting in the Temple of Time the entire time. Yes. And Uku tells you she just plum forgot the spell to rejuvenate it, which seems to indicate that she knew the spell. 
she is an important person trusted with caretakership of this particular artifact of her people. Right. And then... And then we experienced a few minutes of technical difficulties and lost a few minutes of conversation. But I think you can probably fill in the blanks. Sorry, everybody. So anyway, now we have to do a quest. It's a big, long quest. It's fucking bullshit. Yeah. Uh, Ilya knows something about how to fix the Dominion Rod, but she can't remember good. So we have to find a thing to jog her memory. Now, here's the fuck up thing. And to find this out, you have to get the letter from Renato, and then you go over to fucking Renato and his place, and you go down into the glitch room, which is the room that would destroy your save in the original release of Twilight Princess if you just saved in that room with a big decrepit cannon in it and turned the game off and then turned it back on. And Shad tells you that um, there is skywriting here, which is much like the writing left to him in his father's manuscripts. And he's able to translate what the skywriting says. And it's something about, all oh, the statues will fix the thingy. And I was like, okay, good. But I don't know what that means. Oh, you know, Ilya, that thing she mentioned about the Dominion Rod, maybe she'll be able to... And it's like, Chad, you didn't explain how Ilya knows what the Dominion Rod is. When the fuck did this come up? Why haven't you said something before now, you fuck? God damn it. Hey, Chad. Chad sucks. Thank you, Crystal. The real truth of this episode. God. Chad. I'm sorry, I interrupted. Keep going, Crystal. Uh, well, you get the thing... Uh, 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 you you learn a spin attack from Link. Yeah. Uh, you losing steam there, Crystal? Yeah. I Is forgot. I forgot how it progresses from here. <laughs> you just played this. It's it's, it's complicated because you have to balance all around. And this one is the exception to the gaps between dungeons getting shorter. The- I think I remember what happens. Okay, okay. Okay, you, you, okay so um, Ilya remembers that this rod the, of the heavens is important. And then you show it to her. Oh, God. And then she's like, oh, right. I was with some old lady. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Gorokoron recognizes it as a Sheikah artifact. Is Gorokoron in Kakariko? Yes. Okay. They all go to try to... Uh, help Ilya. Okay. They care a lot about this girl. She's got kind of the Julia from Fist of the North Star thing going where <laughs> everybody cares extremely much about what happens to her, even though it's not clear why, outside of the purity of her femininity. Well, they, they know it's a Sheikah thing, and then they, together, you decipher that there's a secret ancient Sheikah village. Old Kakariko. Old Kakariko. Does Renato know where it is? Scrolling down. Oh, now. that's what it was. Uh, Ilya, when she was captured, she ends up being broke loose by this old lady. Is that is that what happened? Like, that's the ultimate explanation for how she initially escaped. Yeah. She was rescued by the old lady. That's and what then, I just said. Yeah, the, the monsters attack, but then the old lady distracts them so she can get away. Yeah. And then she forgets all this even more. Her, she's got layered amnesia. <laughs> She's an amnesia onion. (laughs) Or an amnesia cake. 
This is beyond my notes, so I'm losing track. Okay. Oh, um, let's see. Renato writes a letter to Talma. Oh, yes. He starts it off, dear friend. Oh, here's where he shoots Talma down. Oh, okay. This is what happens? Well, no, it's just... I thought that he shot her down before. Like, he mentions if you talk to him that he's sending this letter because she comes on so strong that it makes him uncomfortable. Yeah. Poor Telma. I know. Telma's awesome. She deserved much better than she got. But Renato seems to be a widower, so I mean, like, he's got his own boundaries. So ultimately, you... Shad ends up reciting a spell to fix the Dominion Rod. Uh Uh-huh. And then you can get into the secret village. The secret hidden Kikariko of old. Is that what happens? I feel like we're forgetting something about talking to that old horrible doctor. I I feel like you have to go to the ancient village first <laughs> to get the book. <laughs> oh no, no, to God. get the book. There's you have to go get the book. <laughs> no, then Shad can read the rest. No, it doesn't it's matter. It's this whole part is doesn't even matter. Gosh. It super matters because this is how we trace the horrors that Ilya went through. Okay. Don't, okay. No, you've got to talk to the old man who has something from Ilya that he kept for some reason, if <laughs> I'm remembering. Because he's a pervert. He's just some pervert old man, but he has like this sky-high bar tab, and I'm actually doing this from memory now. This sky-high bar tab, and Telma says she's going to break his fucking legs if he doesn't help Ilya by helping Link to help Ilya. And the guy's like, oh, well, I don't want to tell him to break my fucking legs. So he gives over whatever stinky-ass thing of Ilya's he kept, and Link takes it outside and has a big old whiff of it, and he's like, okay, I can now trace this to where the village is. Oh my gosh. I think that's what happens. Okay, and then there's a cowboy sequence at the village. It is fucking showdown at high noon. This part's great. Is it? I love it. Why do you love it? You strut into town and a western theme plays and you can just snipe everybody. Yeah, but they're hidden for some reason. Yeah, there's always like one or two stragglers and you're like, where the fuck are they? And there's chickens that you can talk to. That's nice. Oh, the chicken mini... No, no, the chicken mini game is where it's frustrating. And you're like, which chicken is it that I haven't talked to? Oh. Killing the bokoblins or whatever is fine. I don't know what you're talking about. I thought finding the uh, boblins was a pain in the ass. So you go through and you, you're you the big bad man who shows up at high noon. And then the little old lady, Impas, comes out. And she's like, oh, I'm very old and decrepit. Please don't talk so fast. She's very sweet. She's great. She's and like Link's grandma. She is the oldest person in the history of the series, except for Link's grandma. You know yeah, that. She, she recognizes the domain rod. And yes. she has heard the tales that it was only to be wielded by the messenger to the heavens. So that the royal family could communicate with the Uka. And she was like designated the person to stay there so she could meet the hero and finally impart this information, wasn't she? Yeah. That sucks. You live here in this big ass empty village by yourself until you die. And you better hope that the hero shows up because if not, you have to designate somebody else to go through this bullshit again. You know she's not the first empires. Yeah, oh, wait, she's it wasn't been guarding cuckoos, the book cats. of the sky, the ancient sky book, and she gives it to you. But you're not done yet because the book has missing characters. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Fuck me. That's right. <laughs> I thought that's what there's. Like, this is the only part that I remembered before we started talking about this was having to go around and find all the different <laughs> statues, and then use the Dominion Rod on them, and then you get to add more knowledge to it and Shad is like oh how did we ever manage to f- get through this I'm sure that Link had nothing to do with it 
and and it just continues like that for about another five hours. This is long. Oh. This <laughs> this is long. In the meantime, you play the mini game with the one cuckoo and like the fifty cats in the village. The, cats. Oh fuck off. This is the part where you go out and you find all of your insects just so you have something to do besides talking to Shad. <laughs> um, so eventually you find the broken cannon and Vinna takes the cannon and puts it in Hyrule Field. So then you go to Lake Hyla and you talk to the clown man so he can fix the cannon so oh. it can finally shoot you into the city in the sky. Oh, and Ilya gets her memory back. She gets her memory all the way back. No one gives a fuck. <laughs> She's sweet. She's, She's as nice. sweet as she can be. But nobody cares anymore. And it's you true. have utterly downplayed everything appealing about Ilya since you first played that game. I ain't going to hear shit from you because your shipping is so hard that you face off with Ilya just because she's the she's second most popular fine. ship. And by now, after talking about her, I'm sick of her too. <laughs> No, it's just that we, we have run around Hyrule eight times over. We don't really care Oh, where's Ilya? Oh, where's Ilya's memories? Oh! Yeah, it, we've lost all empathy. We want to go into the frigging city in the sky. Okay. And, the sky. <laughs> and we got us a sky temple. So Link hookshots himself into the cannon, which has, like, chicken legs. And Uka runs up to Lake Hyla and her and her son jump in there too and then the Metal Gear chicken leg cannon kind of <laughs> shakes itself off and walks forward and takes aim and shoots Link and Uka, Uku and Uku Jr. into Skyloft. Don't do this. Don't do this, god damn it. What? It's not Skyloft. Why isn't it Skyloft? Skyloft didn't need helicopter propellers to stay in the air. Yeah, it did after it fell. <laughs> Did it ever fall that we are aware of? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> there was art of it falling in the lead up to the release of Hyrule Warriors, I think. Man, that was during that wonderful gray period where it was like, oh, what kind of cool shit is going to be happening in Hyrule Warriors? And then we played it. And, and it, it was, was like, a great Zelda story. It was the, I'm going to quote multiple people here, the best story told in the franchise. Yeah. It was it was literally a fanfic made made into a game. No, 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 no. You're not capturing the whole thing. It was a self-insert fanfic. Yes, it was a self-insert fanfic. Not to take away from self-insert no, fanfics. No, they're, those, yeah. they're, those provide very good catharsis for a lot of people who write them. This particular one was egregious, though. It was literally, though. It was, like, yeah. <laughs> it was really something. But we'll talk about that how, in the Hyrule how, Warriors how, episode. Coming up next in the Hyrule Warriors episode, was Hylia ever a thing? Experts say no. So you make it to the Sky Temple, which is another thing that was rumored in Ocarina of Time, but now you can do it. Do y'all remember those, the Sky Temple rumors? Where the Triforce is. Yeah, the, it was in the temple in the sky. It wasn't on your hands. No. that's it. Was The, <laughs> the Sky Temple was like the sister temple to the Light Temple, and that you never got rumors that implied both were in the game it was always one or the other the sky temple rumors were always like oh those temple of light rumors are so fucking fake you already go into the temple of light why would that be a thing now this sky temple that was shown off in the beta where you get the triforce from a chest that's real and we should talk about that and we should try to get to it because it's totally still in the game you guys oh god the city in the sky is so fucking boring 
Should we talk about Chad's little uh, theory about the creation of Hyrule? Oh, fuck me. Yes. Now, I'm going to read from Zeldapedia's so-called canonical Japanese translation. Oh, fuck. The common opinion is that Hyrule was created by the Hylia people, the race closest to the gods. But, truth be told, there's also a theory saying that in ancient times, there was a race even closer to the gods than Hylia people, and they created it. And they simultaneously, with the birth of the Hylia people, created a new capital, a capital that floated in the heavens. Huh. So in Japanese, the city in the sky is called New Capital. Interesting. That is interesting. It doesn't line up any better with any history of Hyrule that we're familiar with, but it is interesting. What do we take from this, Crystal? It's Skyloft. It can't be Skyloft because it's a new capital. It's not the old capital. Okay, well, it, it, is, it is new Skyloft. I don't have a rejoinder to that one. <laughs> I literally, like, that. that's the perfect answer. You kept you kept going until you found that answer, and there's it can't be gainsayed. Good Gainsay job. Gainsay is such a good word. Gainsay is one of my very favorites. Oh, my God. And also, the Uka created Hyrule? I, apparently. At, I think but, we talked about this in a previous episode, because the, the lines are similar, but a little bit different. No history as presented in game is factual to the best unless, of Unless, unless. Okay. So, the people from Skyloft came down to the ground and they founded the land of Hyrule. It's the, the kingdom. Uh, but then some people wanted to go back up and those people became the 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 Uka and the people who stayed on the ground became the Hylia. But they are both descendants of Skyloft. So people who think that the Uka are the ancestors of the Hylia are mistaken. It's more that they share a common ancestor. That's correct. I see. And they sort of pulled a, a dolphin evolution thing. And returning to the sky, whereas dolphins return to the sea. Yeah. That's a thought. You know what? In Twilight Princess, that makes as good a sense as anything else in this game does. What do y'all think of the actual dungeon, the city in the sky? Double claw shot. It does have a strong contender for the best item, not just in this game, but in the series. That's true. That's a great surprise. It's really good. But what Dragon do you think boss. of the- Dragon boss. Yeah. The mini bosses are cool. What were the- Oh. The, the jerk uh, lizard flying guys uh, with the shields. The winged Lizalfos? Yeah. But what about, like, the dungeon itself? Um, I liked- how the Uku were just Uka were just walking over the walls and everywhere, and you uh, could claw shot them. Yeah, they don't care about gravity. It's very Escher, MC Escherian. They're very strange. The Uka, Uku, Uku, Uka, the Uka. Um, and it's some parts are very pretty. Like they're the upper garden areas. It seems like they're they're nice and pleasant. But in general, like it's large and it's empty. It's utterly in ruins. Yeah. It feels almost like the Uka didn't so much build this place as they just came upon it at some point. Because they damn sure haven't done any maintenance on it. And the, none oh, of so you think there's like, oh yeah, we, we totally built this place. It's not in... I mean, it's not sized to an Uku. No, it's not. The doors are highly incised. Yeah, it, 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 it seems like something went on here at some point that separates them from it, but... 
Like, does that imply that there's literature up there that the Uka used to learn about the previous inhabitants and that the artifacts that are attributed to them, such as the Dominion Rod, aren't actually Uka artifacts so much as they're artifacts of this, we'll call it a precursor people uh, that the Uka just happen to be the most knowledgeable about? Are you back to saying that this is Skyloft? No, not at all. <laughs> or did perhaps some kind of cataclysm occur? Some t- cataclysm, you say? Yeah, some sort of perhaps even calamity. Oh, I see. So you're suggesting that perhaps the city in the sky was damaged during something that went down with Ganon? Mm, no, because Ganon wasn't really... I mean, maybe. I don't know. We don't know. The game's not very clear on this point and doesn't really give us enough to go off of. But I do like the idea that there's a possibility space here where the Uka are just these weirdos who live in the city in the sky and it wasn't actually built for them at all because it's way too windy for them to walk around outside. So it's like, how do they even get around? They were cursed to be burbs. Oh. The place was inhabited by the Sky Tribe from the Minish Cap. Yeah, okay. I can accept that one. It's interesting that all three, well, all four even, uh, Shards of the Mirror of Twilight are outside of Hyrule. Huh. Huh. You're not even wrong. That's true. Because the Gerudo Desert is outside of the Dominion of Hyrule, and Yeti's Mance is definitely outside, and nowadays the woods are outside for some reason. Well, the Sacred Realm also. Yeah. And now this nobody, the sky is way up there. You can't have dominion over that. Huh. Do you think that there's significance behind that? Or is it just a funny coincidence? I think they didn't want to be in Hyrule. Maybe, well, this is attributing a lot to the gods that disappeared long ago. But maybe when they forged the mirror, they're like, well, if it ever breaks, it would be very harmful. So we want this as far away from our people as possible. So we do think that the mirror is a creation of the gods? Um, well, it doesn't know. It doesn't have to be. The darkness of the mirror is repelled by the presence of the light spirits. The sacred realm's really sacred, though. The Twilight Princess is very confusing. I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot of holes. There's a lot of things in here that don't make a lot of sense when, like, even when just viewed in context with itself. But it's really hard to place in the larger timeline. I I, I still hold to that as being true. Um, okay, so is there anything else of note that's going on in the City of the Sky outside of the fact that it's a bunch of uh, interconnected buildings that are held up by helicopter propellers? And, like... Uku or Uka walk around inside of it going up and down the walls and even the ceilings without mind to gravity. You I like die how by unperturbed the Uka are. What's that, Crystal? I like how unperturbed the Uka are. Yeah. They don't give a shit when you like grab onto them with the hook shot and pull them over and use them to cross a large gap, or even when you throw them off cliffs because they just come flying back up. They have nothing to say either. Yeah. It's like they don't see you as being particularly worthy of being talked to or maybe they don't know how to speak Hylian but Uku and Uku Jr. are the only ones well no you can also talk to the shopkeep yeah huh why don't they talk to you they don't have anything to say (laughs) little weirdos they're shy ah they don't know how to react when getting pulled over by a freaking claw shot it's kind of rude maybe you're going around on your day 
going to your job, you know. <laughs> Walking up and down walls. I mean, you got to put food on the table somehow. And then you get pulled over by some jerk. Who just leaps across a vast chasm with you and yeah. then throws you into the infinite dark. You come back up because, of course, you can fly. And then you go right back up to walking up and down the wall. But it's still an interruption. Yeah. The Uka are very weird. And the temple itself is very weird. And I don't like the temple thing. The design's not great because you end up just dying by falling a lot. A lot. Uh, Don't you? Mm. Crystal, back me up here. Yeah, you do. Okay, thank you. Oh, outnumbered. Yeah, okay, yeah, you definitely die a lot by falling. And Sorry then we're not the pro parts... video gamers like you, Cameron. <laughs> and then there's parts where you have to, like, dangle off of a hanging plant thing or closh out around, and it's a lot of delay. Like, you're waiting as it leads you around slowly, and you're like, what have I done with my life? What is Link doing with his life? Well, he's doing important things. You do get to see Argarok, the dungeon boss, a few times as you're moving through the dungeon. Oh, yeah. It smashes the shit out of things. He's cool. He's a dragon. He's not a very big dragon, but he's a dragon. We can agree that Argarok's a pretty decent fight, though, right? Yeah, I like Argarok. Yeah, there's like a bunch of uh, Velcro pillars all around Argarok. Yep. And you got a claw shot up to the Velcro, and then you hit Argarok with the claw shot. And then there are the little mini pea hats with the Velcro butts, and you have to slash onto their butts. Very mm-hmm. quickly. To zip around Argarok as fast as you can to attack him from behind while he's spewing the fire. And then you do the finisher move where you do the flippy, turny, spinny move with the sword. And you stab him in the back and he dies. Good job. Good fight. You killed a dragon. And that's three goddamn dungeons. Wow. Right. Do you want to call it there? Now that we have all of the pieces of the Mirror of Twilight. How much more side questing is there before we actually go into Hyrule Castle? Uh, well, first you have to go to the Twilight Realm. Piss. Okay, I think we can do the Twilight Realm and Hyrule Castle all in one go. Yes. It might be a little bit of a longer episode, but we can definitely do it. Those two dungeons probably merit having more time devoted to them because there is actually lore going on in both of them. Cameron, did I say a Zelda joke last time? I think you did. Yeah, we, we we, we told those jokes by tie. Yes. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Because I don't remember searching for one. That's why. Yeah. Do Do you want to do a couple of uh, letters? Let's do a couple of letters. Woo! Where can people send us letters? You can send in any emails that you like to Book of Medora Podcast at gmail dot com. That's Book of Medora Podcast at gmail dot com. Which one should we read first? Let's do Shakal's first. Okay. So, Shakal writes, Hello, Cameron, Crystal, and Monica. I have a theory on why Twilight Princess Link started out with the Triforce of Courage, and it actually doesn't have anything to do with him being a special chosen one, even though many, including the Light Spirits, misinterpret the situation as such. As this has been a recurring pain point for the podcast, I thought an alternative view might be welcome. Well, you're definitely right. First, we need to start with the ending of Ocarina of Time, Wind Waker, and what they together indicate for the condition of the child timeline Triforce at the end of Ocarina. Firstly, we know from Wind Waker the adult timeline still has its Triforce of Courage. Link didn't take it with him through the splitting of the timeline, since it's available for us to piece back together. Presumably, as Ocarina of Time Link left that timeline, it got left behind for Zelda to split up and hide for Wind Waker Link to find. We did generally agree that that's Mm -hmm. what happened. 
Second, we see Ocarina of Time Child Link after putting back the Master Sword for the final time with the Triforce symbol on his hand. This shows us that Ocarina of Time Adult Zelda's actions of sending him back from a now alternate future where the Triforce was split has somehow affected the Triforce in this timeline, causing it to also split. Why exactly it would cause that is not made clear, but the Triforce symbol on Link's hand at the very end of Ocarina of Time, along with the split Triforce and Twilight Princess, shows that a split definitely was caused one way or another. I think we talked about this a little bit in the previous episode. It just kind of magnets. Yeah, that seems to... that I, I do remember having that conversation. It is also something that Crystal and I covered back in the 35-hour uh, Ocarina of Time episode. <laughs> Third, while playing as Ocarina of Time, Child Link, and Majora's Mask, Link no longer has the Triforce mark on his hand. Mm. This would seem to indicate that he was able to somehow willingly remove the Triforce of Courage from within himself and put it someplace for safekeeping while he searched for Navi, presumably with Zelda and Hyrule Castle. Oh my. This importantly would indicate this Link knowing, perhaps from the Triforce of Wisdom or Blood of the Goddess Empowered Child Zelda, how the Triforce can be willingly extracted from a body or soul it has chosen. This information, once learned, couldn't be passed on. Could. could be passed on, say within a family. I do want to point out that Link, adult Link in Ocarina of Time, does not always have that symbol on his hand, even though he always has the Triforce of Courage. Mm. So, you do not have to always be showing the symbol just because you have it. Zelda doesn't show it before she chooses to show it either. So my theory is that after Ocarina of Time, Child Link returned from the end of Majora's Mask. He regained the Triforce of Courage for where he secreted it and passed it on to his child and so on for a number of generations until the time of Twilight Princess, where our current Link was given and currently embodies the Triforce of Courage, but doesn't really know what he has or the implications of it. This might have something to do with him seeming to be orphaned and separate from the rest of Orden Village. Maybe the Triforce was given to him before he was old enough to understand what was going on. This also means that Twilight Princess Link wasn't really chosen by the gods to bear the Triforce of Courage. He just happened to have the family heirloom. The gods didn't actually have anything to do with it. And to be fair, we've actually seen the Triforce of Wisdom being handed down within the Hyrule Royal Family multiple times within the series. So a Triforce becoming a family heirloom and closely guarded secret isn't that odd of an idea. It's just that once again, Ocarina of Time's eldest decision to give Link back his childhood ended up having a ton of one-time consequences that made the next cycle in each timeline very different from how things normally worked. The hero not showing up in one timeline and growing up already with the Triforce of Courage in the other. That was a very interesting suggestion. um, In that I I haven't really thought about Child Link... um, removing the Triforce before he went questing elsewhere. That seems like a prudent thing to do. Does it? When you're leaving Hyrule. So maybe. Maybe. I don't know. But I don't know. I don't know how he aware he would have been about the Triforce though. Because otherwise you'd think that they would remove it from Ganondorf before you, you know, imprison him. Perhaps it cannot be removed against someone's will. Mm. Ganondorf would seem to disagree with that point. That's true. He does do that. Yeah, he does specifically do that. Uh, What's your take on this idea, Crystal? Yeah, I think this works. The the Triforce is just something passed down uh, within the family of uh, Malin. (laughs) That does definitely fit with the history of the Triforce of Wisdom in particular as presented in the backstory of Adventure of Link. And it does also seem to fit with the Triforce itself as an heirloom throughout the entirety of the Accursed Timeline. 
I think the thing is, though, that this doesn't take away how Twilight Princess Link is a special boy. That's true. He's just special because he came from special blood rather than just being special because he's special. Yeah. Though in both cases, it seems to be because he's from special blood. The point isn't so much that there's no good explanation for why he has the Triforce of Courage. The problem is more that he didn't earn the goddamn thing. Yeah. Which, you know, that's fine. That's Canonically, that makes a certain amount of sense because not everyone earns their Triforce piece, though that became less true as time went on. But, you know, not everyone does. It's just that you kind of want your hero to earn what he's got. Mm -hmm. That's how I seize it. But that was a great suggestion and a great email. Thank yeah, you. Yes, that was a good read, Shakal. Thank you. Thank you, Shakal. Ooh, I like the title of this one. Okay. Uh, this Monica, why don't you read this one from Daniel? Sure. Daniel writes, uh, the title of this email is Zelda No Hansen Hyrule. Dear Book of Modora Podcast at gmail.com. The idea of replacing Daphne's No Hansen Hyrule with Ocarina of Time Zelda is very interesting especially because of what this would say about Zelda herself, assuming that their actions remain identical despite the swap. She could always be her own person and not mindlessly copy Daphnis, of course, but I feel that's kind of cheating when the original question was, paraphrasing, how would Daphnis' paternalism read if he were a woman? Some things I've noted. Whether or not she's currently a ghost, this Zelda would still have been alive by the time the waters fell. Since Daphnis is presumably her descendant, or married to her descendant, this would either make her very old indeed, or else set the Flood and Ganon's release within a lifetime of Ocarina of Time. Given how long it seemingly takes for other seals to break in the series, the latter makes the sages seem somewhat ineffective. Compare Link to the Past, Breath of the Wild, Four Swords Adventures, Wind Waker as written. Incidentally, Breath of the Wild makes it seem like Hylians have a human lifespan. Daphnis' quest for Link was because he still believed that the Hero of Time would return. Zelda would probably know about all the timeline stuff, and yet she would still go out searching for a hero that left and never returned. This might also mess up Wind Waker Link's earned heroism thing. While Daphnis wouldn't have had the Triforce of Wisdom, Zelda obviously would. I suppose she might have entrusted it to her great-great-grandchild. Although, that makes me wonder how on earth Gandorf knew to look for Zelda on the Great Sea. Did Gandorf know about Daphnis' survival in the original game? Regards, Daniel. Thank a lot you, of things. Ben. That was yes, a nice email. That was. A lot of things to address here. It would definitely shorten up the timeline between Ganon's ceiling and his release, unless we assume that Zelda was a ghost at the time of the whole thing. Yeah. But I think her being the established monarch would be important if we wanted to keep the thing where it's like, no, she's the one who brought down the waters. I think so. She could also just be super, super old. True. I'm that fine with making her like a hundred. <laughs> so it's actually just like a century has passed? Yeah. Yeah, that would make that, that would still make a certain amount of sense. She could be like a very old ghost. Yeah. Um... Though, though it is a difference here because that would still be a much less effective thing in general. The seal, I mean. Oh yeah, it would make the seal. But that's a okay. Bit questionable. The that's sages okay. were yeah. inexperienced. Yeah. <laughs> I think that um, it, it, if you just swap uh, Zelda for Daphnis, though, the reason why she's traveling around searching 
it would be different from Daphnis. She would know that she wouldn't be looking for the the hero of time. It would have to be for the reincarnation, a hero. right? Well, no, not even a reincarnation because we differ on this point. Okay, yes, but the, she the would hero. be looking for the, the hero, hero, someone who's willing to stand up and do it. Yeah, but it'd be okay because this doesn't come up really until far later, anyway. I think that I'd be okay with this part. You know, certain rewrites would have to be expected in this version of the game. Mm-hmm. And that's not a takeaway from it. It does mean that certain themes have to be retooled or changed entirely, and Daniel's right to point that out. But I don't think that the work would necessarily suffer for it. For instance, we definitely want Zelda to interact as Zelda when d- confronting Ganondorf. Yeah, the sickest. Yes, um, it's possible that she might have entrusted, again, like a part of the Triforce to a child or a grandchild. In case she fucked up. Right. And then keeping the, well, keeping a Triforce split up is a good idea anyway. Ganon's running around. Yeah. And then, I don't know, Ganondorf. Why did Ganondorf know to go after a Zelda crystal? I don't know. Why did he? Oh, did you oh. <laughs> turn that around on me? It's No, no. It's the idea you brought up before, Crystal. All the girls are Zeldas. That's true. So what? The firstborns are Zeldas, or all the girls are Zeldas. So I see. They're all firstborn daughters descended from the royal family. Mm -hmm. It's just, huh? Okay. Yeah, sure. Why the fuck not? I like the idea that Daphnis is a blood descendant and not married into the family. I think we didn't we establish that he had to be. That he's definitely married into the family. No, not married into the family. We know that Roam is married into the family. Right. I don't know about Daphnis. Um, he is a new Hanson. We did bring that up. I can't remember what led us to that conclusion, though. The depth of his knowledge with like the Sheikah Stones and whatever, I feel like he's part of. You would be <laughs> inducted into certain knowledges once you become king. He's very competent at it. But that was a nice email, Daniel. Thank you. Thank you. Do you want to handle this next one, Crystal, or should we try for one more? Let's try for one more. Uh, this, this, you mean the one from Ross? Yeah, from Ross. Okay. Hi, everyone. I have two theological questions for you. In Link to the Past and Ocarina of Time, the Triforce is described as an object that contains some of the power of the three goddesses. Later games, particularly Wind Waker, Describe the Triforce more as a means to call on the goddesses themselves and have them intervene in the mortal world. Which interpretation do you prefer? Are the goddesses totally removed from the affairs of Hyrule and it's the Triforce acting as a divine machine? Or do the goddesses take notice through use of the Triforce? Also, will they ever take notice through prayer, as Wind Waker directly says in the flooding of Hyrule? I'm suggesting that perhaps the legend to to the Wind Waker backstory is wrong, and that it was someone using the Triforce to flood Hyrule. Huh. Item 2 is a theory for you. Zelda is associated with the Triforce of Wisdom and the Goddess Nehru. In Skyward Sword, the big revelation is that every Zelda is a mortal incarnation, or at least associate, of the Goddess Hylia. From Skyward Sword and even Breath of the Wild a little bit, Hylia seems more invested in the people of Hyrule than the three goddesses. What if Nehru and Hylia are actually the same goddess? What if Nehru had more concern for the mortal world and decided to stick around? It could be a Greek-slash-Roman association, like saying Aphrodite or Venus, 
when they're essentially the same goddess with a few details change and hundreds of years having passed. A few kickers. Nehru is associated with water, her gem and ocarina of time is the blue one kept by the Zoras, and the most notable thing with Helia's name is Lake Helia. Lake Helia is also in Lanehru province in Twilight Princess. P.S. A no prize answer. In Link to the Past, the Tower of Hera holds the Pendant of Power, with power being associated with the goddess Din. I like to imagine that Hyrule has met with Greek culture at some time, and has confused Din with the Greek goddess Hera. I mean, we know from some games that Hyrule gets Christianized at some point. Keep up the good work. Ross from Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan is such a great province name. Got us some Canadian listeners for real, too. There's a lot to unpack here. Mm-hmm. All this gets a lot easier if you just accept that the goddesses never existed. <laughs> I was actually going to bring up that there was a period uh, on the podcast, I want to say back around the Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask thing, where Crystal and I did not quite do but sort of flirted with the possibility that all the legends about the goddesses are just fucking wrong and nobody knows where the triforce really comes from at least up to a point i think i definitely like the idea that the the triforce it's not directly connecting to the goddesses they're not assessing your wish or anything like that it is a total amoral wish granting machine it is the engine of creation right Otherwise, you have to deal with these very <laughs> terribly amoral and like amoral to the point of being evil divine beings. What a mischievous thing to leave lying around. It's <laughs> almost like they don't have a consciousness as such and are just divine uh, elements. Hmm. I'm... Almost leaning in to think that the Triforce itself has no clear origin with which we would be familiar, and it is only because of the particular perspectives of all the characters in the series, including Hylia herself, that all things must have a beginning and a progenitor. That means that the goddesses created the Triforce, and that they also came from somewhere else, so you don't have to explain what their origin is. Doesn't Hylia in... Skyward Sword say she was to stay there to guard over the Triforce? It is said that she was given that duty by the old gods. I know that there are a lot of unreliable narrators, but a a literal goddess being wrong in this. (laughs) We've said that about the Light Spirits and their gods. Yeah, but this is like a higher one. Is it? Yeah. I mean, yeah, Hylia is about as high as gods in the series that we actually see ever get outside of, like, the devil. And she also directly experienced this, so it's really hard to say that she's incorrect. I don't know. Now, what possible cause could she have to make up the goddesses to give herself (laughs) a divine right to rule? Oh, my. Uh Uh-huh. Lay it on me. The golden goddesses are the gods of the gods. They are the religion that the gods follow. But they're made up. They made them up for money. They are the opiate of the gods. Yes. (laughs) There we go. That took a second. This is very complicated. I don't know if that's actually that complicated. It just implies a lot about their backstory. That doesn't mean that Hylia wasn't acting in good faith. It would just mean that she's wrong. But... I certainly like the idea that Hylia is a subgradient of Nehru. Yes, that is quite popular, I think. 
Yeah, there's definitely strong ties between Zelda and Wisdom, and then, you know, as Zelda is Hylia, or a descendant. Though I, the, the pedant in me does feel the need to point out that not every Zelda is a reincarnation of Hylia. Not a reincarnation, I said descendant. No, I'm talking about what Ross wrote in the email. Okay. Or at least that's not really what's said. Though even as far removed as Breath of the Wild, they do seem to still dream of Hylia. Yeah, that blood is strong. It's very strong blood. Blood of Amaterasu. Yeah. Crystal, did you look at that uh, Tumblr post that I linked in the Slack? The one that No, I didn't. <gasps> Let me take a look at that. Please. It's one image of Link and Zelda after the final battle in Breath of the Wild. And I linked it in there because it's very much what I was bracing myself for for the entire ending. Yep. Oh. Oh, it's kind of like a Thanos thing. Oh. Get it out of your system, and then we'll the talk about it. The artist specifically does not That's want right, yes. The, the, the artist, who is um, not a native English speaker, I believe, still managed to, uh, still wrote down that they didn't want any Thanos comparisons, and they don't <laughs> find that joke very funny. But Who the, throws a shoe? But the, uh, the fan art that I linked to Crystal shows that Zelda was actually dead throughout the ending of Breath of the Wild and that she dissipates into golden light and leaves Link alone. And I I, I linked that to our communal chat room because it struck me because like, oh, I, I, also, I thought that's where the game was going. Yeah. But as Monica pointed out after I said that, they'll never break the bloodline. Yeah. But what if they did? That would be the biggest sea change in the entire series since Ganon showed up. That's effectively breaking the the Japanese emperor's dynasty. Effectively, yeah. Yeah, which I just, I don't think it's something that... Hylia would have to come back. Yeah, that's what we decided on. That if that happened, Hylia would just show up. And it would... Uh, what if you took some of Zelda's blood and you injected it in yourself? Oh, okay. So you're saying like quick the, Link the, the, needs the, a medical transfusion. If you put if you put Zelda's blood under a microscope, could you see the Hylia cells? I was going to say so they've got like uh, H cells that is uh, passed down and multiplied matrilineally. And could you just in, and it has to be in a woman because sons don't have this or can't actually, they? Actually, no, that's never said. I, I would like to see some guys all this. That would, you know what? I take that back. It's traditionally matrilineally, but we don't actually know that it's tied in any way to sex or gender or pretty much anything. So, huh. Okay, sure. Injected in Link. <laughs> Link needs a blood transfusion. <laughs> and now Link is Hylia. <laughs> sure. Or what if you injected it into Ganondorf? So, hold on. He'd what have to punch himself in the face. Zelda and Ganondorf. He'd have to wit outwit himself. It's Zelda's consciousness carried on her blood? I don't... All these H-cells in there, they just go to war with his G-cells, which are keeping him alive, similar to the Godzilla cells as outlined in Godzilla vs. Biollante. Oh no. Why did you do this? You don't remember Godzilla vs. Biollante? No. I feel like we've watched it together. Crystal, are you familiar with Godzilla vs. Biollante? I'm not familiar with that film. That film is, if I remember, from 1991 or possibly 1990. 
And in it, Godzilla cells are crossed with the cells of a rose, which was also the reincarnation of the scientist's dead daughter. So it ends up creating this hybrid beast where the G cells infuse the rose cells and make them generate into a giant monster that's also possessed by the spirit of the scientist's dead daughter. And it's, I, th- I guess I've explained the whole where thing. Where is this going, Cameron? There's a big, anyway, um, Ganondorf and Zelda turn into a big rose. Okay. Okay. I don't have anything else. Also, I, I do want to say that it is not Lake Hylia that is the most prominent use of Hylia's name. That would be the Hylians. The people of Hylia. Who is who is Ferori's subgradients? I don't think they actually have any. Because if you think that they have subgradients, then they have to be real. But if they're real, then it's like, can they be part of this? What's no, you don't have to be real to have a subgradients. Okay. So, okay, we'll come back to this. Who is Ferori's subgradient? Who indeed? You what's, didn't have an answer? No, that's why I asked. What's a subgradient? You know, like um, Hylia would be to Nehru in this version of the cosmology. Okay. Uh, and then they, Din... Uh, uh, Din is the Ganon. Crystals. Oh. Uh, I, would, I, I thought like Din to Demise. Isn't it just Link then? But Link's not a god. Link is has never he? been treated as a god. Mm. Maybe the Master Sword? Oh, okay. Yeah, we make our gods. And we, use literally. Them, and we use them to fight other gods. Or maybe Ferori is like the Dark Soul and is split into many pieces. Oh, God. Yeah, all the creatures that uphold the law. Okay, I think I'm at the end of my stamina here. Though the whole thing about Hyruleans crossing over with the Greeks is about like the Hyruleans crossing over with the Christians. It's like, oh, that's a fun email, but if we start talking about this seriously, I'm going to blow my stack. I mean, why is it called the Tower of Hera? It's even called that in Japanese. Shit, I don't know. <laughs> Hera. Because Hera's, a, did they know about Hera? I, I got nothing. They know about Juno because she invaded Hyrule after escaping from the internet in Assassin's Creed. Cameron, where can people find you online? I'm not sure that I want them to now, but they can find me on Twitter at Cam Reiter. You can find me online at Arcane Crystal. You can find me on AudioEntropy.com, on the Let's Plays podcast, and the MCU Complete Me podcast, where we talk about ranking every video game according to quality and the Marvel movies, respectively. Oh, okay. For a second, I was getting very confused there. I listened to your Iron Man 2 episode today. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pretty good episode. How was it? It almost made me think that you two would be pretty good at making riff tracks. Yeah? Yeah. Did you like the part where Jean Favreau's head was crushed by Scarlett Johansson's thighs? These two just fell all about the place with how... like You, you remember that uh, Happy is played by a guy, right? Yeah. He's mm-hmm. played by the director. Oh. Oh. And, and he gets his Scarja. ass beat by ScarJo. And she, she does. Him. She does like the Hurricane Rana to him which is a move where you throw somebody's head with your thighs. And they were talking about how that probably had like 8,000 takes. It's like, no, Scarlet, you know, you're doing great, but it just needs that little extra bit. Oh, boy. That's a good catch, though. That's a good point. It it turned Iron Man 2 into probably the horniest movie in the MCU. Oh, for sure. With Avengers in number two. Yeah. Would you like to hear a Zelda joke? Yes. No. Okay, this is, I'm going to kind of 
play with the format a little bit. This is more of a Zelda pickup line. Oh. This comes from www.pickuplinesgalore.com slash Zelda.html. What? <laughs> now, some of these are pretty, pretty, pretty horny. This sounds like it would be a gross site. It, it's kind of a gross site. Uh, but I'm going to choose one that's a little less on the horny side. Okay. Are you a Deku nut? Because you're stunning. That's pretty good. Is it? Yeah. I'll call it cute, but I'm not going to call it good. <laughs> I think that's a fucking I mean, crime. Th- there's a, a non-zero chance I would laugh at that. I'm ending the podcast. Fuck you. Well, okay. Everybody goodbye, knows. Everybody. No, goodbye. Bye.